You're listening to The Ladies Room. I am Iris St. Moran. And I'm Jennifer Sanders. So we used to be news anchors at competing television stations. But no matter where we live, we'll always be the best of friends. So tell our listeners why we decided to call this The Ladies Room. It's that place where you get yourself together, laugh, cry, tell a secret. Ladies know what I mean. Girl, we definitely know what you mean. So you'll get to hear from some phenomenal women doing phenomenal things across the world. And our goal is to provide inspiration and information. We're on air in the ladies room. Okay, so you are in the ladies room and I am so happy to present to some and introduce to others Emmy award-winning anchor, reporter, author, and I think what I'm most proud of, my friend, Miss Dion Lim. Welcome to the ladies' room. Oh my God, do you know that we've been trying to do this forever? So I am forever. honored and I am blessed. This is a very momentous day. <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah, and I just want to mention that we are in three different time zones, Eastern yeah. Standard Time. You're Central, right, Jennifer? Yeah. And Dion is representing the West Coast. <laughs> Let me just tell you, we are not math people either. So getting this figured out took a very long time. <laughs> it did. No, it did. But thanks to Iris, she was able to kind of make everything come together. So I think that we're, we're good. We're on the right track, right? Yes. We are on the right track. So Dion, as you've been saying, we are so excited to um, have you finally in the ladies' room. There's so much that we have to get to. But I guess first things first, unfortunately, you won't be surprising me, um, surprised visiting me anytime soon this year, unfortunately. <laughs> Wait, give the people a background about that, though. <laughs> so, so this is a thing. So this is a thing where Dion just, um, she works in conjunction with my husband and Jennifer to just pop up in different places to surprise me. And it's going international because she surprised me, I think, two times in Syracuse. And then uh, last year, she surprised me in Toronto. I had no idea that when we got to Toronto that Dion would be there with a camera. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I just feel like it's such a nice, I guess, escape from like reality. And then seeing you reminds me of our college years when we were like eating McDonald's and like dumpster diving and stuff. So when things get really stressed, like that's what I do. You know, you never know where I'm going to show up. Watch your back. <laughs> well, I'm so glad you showed up for the podcast. Um, and over your shoulder, I like the product placement. You have your book, Make yes. It. How is it? How exciting is it that it's finally out for you? Oh my gosh, you know the journey because you know everyone wants to kind of write a book or they have the idea for a book and they don't really know how to do it because there's no guide book on writing a book. And there's so many different angles that you can take, like publishing it yourself, or do you want to seek an agent? And then how do you get a proposal done? So it feels like one of my biggest accomplishments because I wanted to do this maybe five, six, seven years ago. And finally to like see it is unreal. Like it's an awesome feeling. It's an, and you know what? Here's the thing. So I would talk to Iris and she would be like, yeah, she's working on this book. And it's been in the making, like you said, for several, several years. What happened that it was like, okay, it's time to really go through this process and make sure this product gets out because it's full of so much good information for women and not just women journalists, but just women in the workplace. Oh, that means so much. Well, I think 
maybe you guys can weigh in on this is that as you go through your life and as you go through your career, you reach these, these moments that are very, I guess, you know, moments that are important to you and where something clicks in your brain where you go, Oh, you know what? I got this. Or I realize, yeah, I've just gotten to a good place where I know what I'm doing. I'm experienced enough and I feel like confident enough to do it. And I think finally for me, I just realized I had amassed all of these really wonderful lessons in life and my career that it was time to share them with everyone. Now, when it came to finding someone who also believed in me to do it, that was a whole other battle because you guys know how this goes. You got to surround yourself with people who believe in you. And mm, there was so much rejection. I would remember getting rejection after rejection, like dozens of them from publishers or from agents. And I would just be so dejected. And then all it takes is one. And then bam, it all falls into place. Amen to that. (laughs) (laughs) What does it mean to you to make your moment? And what, I guess, is there a moment that you made that you're proud of? Mm, That's good. Life is a bunch of different moments all put together, right? I think what I really wanted was for other women, especially, and men too, because a lot of men actually buy the book for their significant other, and then they read it, and then they realize, oh, this applies to me too. But for me, I think moments come and go, and it's just remembering the magic of how you got there. For example, um, when I started out in the business of TV, nobody looked like me, really. I mean, I worked in these really non-diverse parts of the country, Kansas and Charlotte, North Carolina, and I was the first Asian-American woman to be a Monday through Friday morning anchor and then a main anchor in Charlotte. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I had made a moment for myself having that representation and being able to speak for other women of color. So that's one that I think I hold very proud. But early in my career, I had not made my moment yet because I remember thinking, oh, why am I here in Kansas? It must be because I'm cheap or it must be because of some EOC requirement to hire X amount of Asians. I had no confidence in who I was. People would call me, hey, Connie Chung in the street. And I would think it was funny. Like I thought it was funny and like, ha ha, but it never really resonated the right way. And until I could own myself as Dion Lim, I'm not Connie mm. Chung, I'm Dion Lim. And people started recognizing me that way. And it was a process to get to that point. That was probably one of my most impactful moments for my life and my career. That is amazing. And we'll go ahead. I always had something to say. Oh, and I just want to say, because I've known you for more than a decade. We went yeah. to, to school together. And I will say, um, to hear you say that you weren't confident, Dion was born to do this job. For me, <laughs> I had to learn this craft. You literally, this is your destiny. You are so, you've always been just kind of upper level. And you've wow. I've learned so much about this business just from watching you. Um, so the, to hear you say that you weren't always confident, I'm, I'm shocked um, because you're just so, like, even in college, you were always the one that the teachers picked because you were so good. So really, yeah. I, no, I never thought that at all, but I knew that I wanted to do this so bad. And Iris, mm-hmm. I just want to say, and Jennifer, you can probably attest, Iris has some magic gifts that I've always believed in because there's a way that Iris can connect with anybody yes. that's on the street and just make them feel confident comfortable and welcome and her personality is like magic. Yeah, so, they make us laugh too. That's the, the big thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that totally 
it. But it's funny because people are so shocked. And I write about this in the book that my first few years in the business, I was surrounded by people who were 10, 20, 30 years older than me. And I was so surprised that it was not like college because, you know, in college, everyone's around the same age. We're all cheering each other on like, hey, you go, girl. There is none of that. Mm -mm. I'm coming in. I'm the youngest person and everyone is scrutinizing everything you do. So I was so self-conscious and I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. I was like, am I doing this right? I don't think so. I would wear these like big boxy suits that were brown, black, and gray. And like with a turtleneck, do you remember that look like early in the business? Mm. It looked so bad, but I would try and pretend to be a news anchor And it did so much harm because it didn't allow me to be me. And another moment was when I realized that once I could shed that exterior Mm. and be me, that's when the magic started happening. And I think I saw more success in my career. But when did you shed that exterior? When do you feel like you fully became Dion Lim? The fabulous Dion <laughs> That came in stages also. So the first moment that I became Dion was when I was in Kansas and I was surrounded by all these people who were so talented and had done this for so long. And I was the first Asian American, right, anchor. And I was so trapped in what I was wearing that I wouldn't, think about what I was saying. And I had a really high stumble rate and I wasn't paying attention to the words. So do you remember speaker of the house, John Boehner, how you spell that, how you spell his last name? B-O-E-H-N-E-R. And it sounds like boner. So I said the word boner over and over again. Nobody corrected me. And my general manager (laughs) called me into his office. And I thought, oh my God, here we go. I'm sweating. I'm going to lose my job before I even start anchoring. And he was like, do you know why I hired you? I tell this story all the time because it applies so often to so many people. And I said, no, did you hire me because I happen to be cheap or because I'm Asian? And he said, no, I hired you for you. When you came into this interview, you had so much energy and you smiled when things were happy. Don't be ashamed of that. Let people see who you are. So that very night I went home, I went into my closet, I went whoosh, and I took down all of those brown suits. I replaced them with all the stuff that you see behind me. And that was the beginning. Like that was the start of something that I knew that I wanted to keep working on. And another time that I remember feeling like, okay, this is really good was when I came to San Francisco because it was the first place that I've worked in and the first place that I've lived where a big population looks like me and Mm -hmm. sounds like me. And they understand like when you go and you bring a school lunch that looks weird, you know, that other kids Mm -hmm. are going to make fun of it, but it's delicious. Like they got it. And I feel so empowered to keep going and just show more of me because other people have experienced the same type of racism, the same type of struggles that I have. And it's awesome. Oh, I just need a moment to process that. It's so true though. I mean, we talk about that, Iris, all the time. Like representation is so important. And if you don't have that around you, you're afraid to just be your true self. Absolutely. And it's not just representation on the air, right? It's not just what people see. It's those power positions. It's the backroom stuff because those are the people who are making decisions. It doesn't matter if we look like the way that we do, but if we don't speak up and do something when we're in those positions, then what good does it do? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and another moment that you're making, we're um, obviously we're all journalists in the middle of a pandemic. There's a lot going on in the world. And earlier this year, you um, uh, penned an article just talking about how coronavirus gave you purpose. And mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that. Okay, you guys are going to totally relate. I know for a fact. And if you say that you don't, then something is very wrong. But this business, this business makes you so stressed sometimes and so crazy. And there's burnout and it is real. And I'm okay with saying this. Coronavirus gave me purpose. And I'll explain why. I wrote an article for the San Francisco Chronicle, an op-ed about this, because I was burning out, man. It was wildfires and car accidents and breaking news all the time. And the news was so bad. And don't get me wrong, the news is still even worse now. But for the first time, I felt like as an Asian American woman, if I could share the stories and the experiences that I've been through with my audience and they feel comfortable about telling me about the abuse they've experienced, Mm. the racism, the slurs that they're subjected to on a daily basis, you know, it's my job. It's my purpose to give them a voice because I felt like them. I felt like them when I was growing up in these non-diverse places in the country, Ohio and Connecticut. And I knew that if I could be their voice, I could make some change in this world. And granted, it feels like two steps forward, 12 steps back nowadays, but at least we're taking steps forward. And I think when it comes to finding my purpose, that's what it is. Granted, it's exceptionally stressful as well, but you guys may feel this way too. And I'm curious to hear what you think, especially with all that's been in the news, with Black Lives Matter and your role and using your own experiences. Because we're usually told as journalists, it's not about you. But for the first time, yeah, it kind of is. We have that perspective. Yeah. And I think, you know, and Iris and I have these conversations all the time and that's why I'm so grateful for her. And I tell her this all the time, just the fact that we have each other to talk to about this, you know what I mean? There are not a lot of people, again, in this industry who look like us, who are in powerful positions. So they don't really always understand the plight that we're going through. And yeah, we're journalists, but we're human beings, you know, and we're black human beings on top of that. And so I think when you're a part of a marginalized community and we're covering all of this stuff that reflects, you know, what people are going through, we automatically feel, you know, that same pain because that's the journey that we've walked through as well. So I just think it's amazing that you've really taken your experience and what you've experienced in terms of racism and bias and really use those conversations to have tough conversations and reveal the plight of Asian Americans. I think that's just amazing and phenomenal. I appreciate that. I mean, it's so hard because people have to get comfortable with the idea of being uncomfortable. And I have to tell you, I have to admit, and I almost called Iris for this because I was confused that when there was a lot of solidarity for the Black community, and I expressed that in telling stories of how the Asian American community and the Black community are coming together, I was getting death threats. I was getting so much pushback from Asian Americans who said, why are you supporting Black people when And we have our own plight. And I'm like, at the end of the day, we all have struggles in our history when it comes with racism. Granted, they're not all the same, but they do parallel each other extraordinarily. So it's having those conversations, learning about the history. And don't get me wrong, I'm no expert. I just know what I've been through and what I want to accomplish. Absolutely. And I agree with um, both of you. And I think a word that I 
like to use it amplify like our role mm-hmm. in our jobs is to yes. amplify just those stories and and make sure you know that we're telling them um in a way that is um compassionate accurate yes. and humane so yeah, I think that's important. And something that you did, I think it was with um, the Asian American Journalists Association, it was learning kind of the dynamics between the Black American community and the Asian American community and what allyship looks like in that form. And so what would you say that you kind of took away from that conversation in learning you know, about a different community and what their struggle is, what your struggle is and how you all can work together to really help each other overcome those struggles. Yeah, I learned that it was, it is a lot more deep and complex than Mm -hmm. I had ever imagined. I mean, the tensions that exist, I mean, date back hundred years or more, and I had no idea about this. And I also realized how small gestures can really make a big difference because sometimes people assume that allyship has got to be like, okay, I'm going to be BFFs with this Black person, and we're going to set aside time every week, and we're going to have a deep discussion. But let's be honest, that's not how the world works. We're so busy during our day. We're trying to stay alive ourselves Mm -hmm. and do the best that we can. Sometimes all it takes is if somebody is in that newsroom, I'm giving the example of a journalism um, case, but if someone's in that newsroom, that editorial meeting, talking about something that matters to them in the community, all it takes is a, yeah, I like that. That's it. Or I support that. Yeah, go for it. That's the encouragement sometimes that like tips, tips, you know, the scale just a little bit to get everybody else on board. So allyship doesn't have to be this grand gesture. It can just be something as simple as bring someone a cheesecake, honestly, just to say, hey, if you're, I mean, because that's a silent way. And I talk about this in my book is that, you know, that gesture, however small it may be, is a signal to the other person that, you know what, you can come to me. You can come to me. I may look different than you. I may not agree with you on things, but I want you to come to me and know that we're, we're cool. And that's it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Well, with all that's going on, that's heavy. What are you doing just to, you know, ah. sort of, um, what's the word? Kind of uh, recharge your <laughs> battery, have fun, lighten the world. Oh. Because <laughs> you know me, I love traveling and eating, and I can't travel, and for a while I could not eat, so I was going to Costco, and I had never been to Costco in like eight years or something. Oh my God, it's a wonderland. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And they're so cheap. And one of my things that I would do, this sounds so stupid, but I would go to Costco and then I would go to Whole Foods and then I would compare how much things cost at Whole Foods and Costco. Like that's what I was doing for the first few weeks, no months of the pandemic. And then, and then I was like, okay, I need to like make connections again because I was, don't get me wrong. I was struggling in the beginning of the pandemic. And I, I, I would love to hear how you guys got through this, but here we are, we're used to being like out and about. And granted now I go out and I report more, but you know, in the beginning, nobody knew where what form this virus was going to take and how really you got it. So we were all super cautious. And I was at home and there would be days where I would not leave my kitchen table except to go to the refrigerator for like nine hours. And it was, I, I needed some human contact. Like I was excited when I saw my post op, my postman like outside, you know? So I think just making a lot of, you know, making the time for like phone dates and I guess just remembering that 
people are human. And I just, I, that's what I miss. And I try to, I try to make those connections, like playing an escape room, like a virtual escape room with people. Oh. That's been fun. Yeah, we should do it together. Can we do that? Yes. Sure. <laughs> Look at She's like, uh. <laughs> it's fun. Do, it's virtual, so nothing can come out and scare me, so. Yes, yes. You're afraid of? You're afraid of getting scared? Yeah, sometimes yeah. it's scary. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's okay, when we were talking about eating, so Dion looks amazing, but you have your page, News Lady Eat, and you eat like all this amazing looking food and you stay looking like that. But well, let's talk about just your love for food and then how you're able to maintain just an amazing fit figure. Oh my gosh. Okay, so genetics has a huge part in this because my mom is really tiny and I think she's like shrinking as she's getting older. So every time I see her, she's like slumped over a little bit more, but she's super healthy, you know? So I think for me, food is an escape, which sounds like unhealthy, but for me during the work week, you know, when we're reporting, you guys all know this, that there's sometimes you can't even pee. Like, if I get a power bar one day, I mean, it's a good day. Like if I get to eat a banana or something. So then come dinner time or like when I do have days off, I just want to go travel around the world in food because to me, it brings people together. It's exciting. Um, even if it's not tasty, like even if it's like eating like a worm or no, a cricket, I had a cricket taco once and no, I how was that? Hmm. Let me tell you, the legs get like stuck in your teeth and it's, it's crunchy. You can't really taste it, but knowing it's a cricket is a problem. Like that's not good. That's yeah, not good. You but are so adventurous. Some of my food adventures, a lot of my food adventures have been with you, with you introduced me to the bubble tea and we've had, yeah. um, what was it? The steam cake in Chinatown. Yes. <laughs> and we had Shabu Shabu. Do you remember yeah, that? I'm up meat. I'll have to post the picture. Where I have it. I saw it on my phone the other day where you were holding <laughs> up like raw meat. <laughs> oh my goodness. Next to my face because you cook it at the table. Yeah. <laughs> what did I sign up for? <laughs> Wait, quick side note. So Iris now does it. What's it called? Produce Mondays? I don't. I, I don't. Still working out the name. I call it Project Produce. So I like Produce. It. Yes. And it's Wait. really neat. And so like now I get inspiration from your page and then her page about just different foods to eat healthy and unhealthy. <laughs> My latest thing is having vegan food before six o'clock. And I swear I'm going to make this into like a diet plan for people. Vegan before six. Because think about it. It's so easy to be vegan during the day, because when you're working, you're so busy and you're not thinking about food anyway. Yeah. So it's kind of like the same as what was that diet plan where it was like two shakes, a shake for breakfast, a shake for lunch, and a sensible dinner. Yeah. So that's what I do is I have like vegan food, like a lot of vegetables, like a salad, something like that. And then at nighttime, I just have something that I really want to have. Like, and if it's a burger, it's okay because everything else gets counteracted by the vegetables. That's smart. So when is your last meal? When do you last eat? I used to be horrible when I anchored the 11 o'clock newscast. Oh my God, you guys, I would eat like macaroni and cheese and like dumplings and meatloaf and Cheetos and all kinds of stuff. And like one in the morning, like I had the worst. And then when I turned 30, I was like, my body can't do this anymore. Like I'd wake up and it would be like, I had no energy. And I was like, something has got to change. (laughs) So now you try to stop eating by what time? Like eight oh, or nine? 
Yeah, yeah. I am. Um, I mean, yesterday I tried really hard to stop eating after dinner, which was like seven thirty. Okay. But then I get hungry later, you know. So yeah, but if I can do it before nine, I feel I feel like I've accomplished something. Okay, I like that. Make it during the day and then a little wiggle room at night. I like that. Yeah. I don't know if it works though. Like I don't. I I feel better. I don't know if nutritionally it's better for me, but I feel good. Which is good. That's always the good sign. <laughs> Yeah. So where, okay. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. I think I'm going to do this. So we always have a question. Okay. What advice would you give your younger self? Oh no. Can people see my face right now? Cause when you asked that, I was like, oh crap, because my younger self was a mess. My younger self was insecure. My younger self had, I'll be honest. It took me a long time to get to like being good with me mm. and I think I had feelings of jealousy, like whenever there was another Asian woman who would walk in, I would be, you know, sizing her up and stuff. And I realized that that was like a process of, I don't, wait, you upgraded, you upgraded the Zoom? I just got a a message that said this meeting has been upgraded by host and now includes unlimited minutes. I didn't do anything. Really? (laughs) Well... This is going to be like three hour podcast. Um, no, but, but I would tell my younger self that there is, and this came to me from an African-American anchor I worked with in Charlotte. She was like the mother figure. She was like the woman that everyone came to. She had worked in the market for, I don't know, I want to say 20 or 30 years. Her name was Sonia Gant. You guys should look her up. Her dad was mayor of Charlotte and she had been the anchor of the 11 o'clock newscast for a very long time. And when I, was offered her job, I didn't get excited. I mean, I was excited, but I started crying because I was genuinely sad. And my boss said, why are you crying? And I said, I don't want Sonia to think I'm taking her job because I respected her so much. And she changed my life. She gave me some of the best advice that I carry with me to this day. When I saw her in the makeup room that very week, I started crying again because you know, I'm a crier. And she said, Dion, we all have unique talents and gifts to offer the world. There is room for each and every one of us. I'm going through a different season than you are. Now is your time to shine in this role. Now it's time for me to be the anchor of the evening in the early evening newscast and be home with my family, something I haven't done in so many years. And that struck a chord with me because it made me realize I had wasted so many years of my life thinking that everything was going to be a competition, that I needed to be the biggest, the baddest, the best. But really, look at Sonia. She was just naturally good in who she was. And she ended up being the face of a television station for so long. And even after that ended, it was fine. She was good with her. And at the end of the day, that's all you got is you. And you can spend all this time pleasing other people. I was in Tampa and I had gotten laid off with, um, oh God, I I got goosebumps even thinking about it now. Um, You know, laid off with my entire 11 o'clock team. It was like a firing range, bam, 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 one after another. And I was one of the first people to go into that office to get the boot. And I thought to myself, oh my God, I spent so many hours of overtime and, and, um, you know, giving my everything to a television station for only this to happen. And I wasn't, you know, I, I forgot about me. I forgot about being Dion, not the news anchor and having that 
title stripped away from me was really hard. So I would tell, I would tell my younger self that you are not your job. Mm. You are talented and special and there are so many things you can do. Granted, you love what you do because I do, but you don't need it. You don't need it to necessarily have peace within yourself. Mm. That's beautiful. I always tell Iris that uh, I'm like, Dion could be at the network. She could be no! ABC, NBC, CBS. But what would you say is next for you in this career journey? Because I feel like now, like you are truly, truly walking in your purpose, just from your social media posts. I mean, we don't talk all the time, obviously, but just looking at social media, like I just feel like you are an advocate. You are really walking in your full self. And so what would you say though is next for you? What's the next part of the the journey? Oh my gosh, you both are such good interviewers. (laughs) When when you said about, you know, living your purpose, um, I love that because yeah, I, I feel alive for the first time in probably ever. Um, The next chapter, it's hard because people ask me this all the time, and I'm sure people ask this of you too, um, is is what you want to do. And I think it changes so often. If you had asked me when Iris and I were in Emerson, I would say, okay, I would be a network correspondent by the time I'm 30. I'm going to go to Springfield, Massachusetts. I'm going to go to Rhode Island, and then I'm going to climb to Connecticut, and then Boston, and then the network. Like I had my whole life planned. Did any of those things happen? Not really. Like, like life throws you these unexpected curveballs. And I never say never to anything anymore. I mean, I would love to continue telling really impactful stories, but I also want to be in a community that's going to be welcoming, which is, which is San Francisco right now in the Bay Area. They've been so wonderful to me. Um, but that's not to say that you know, if, if there was an opportunity in New York or at the network that was irresistible once in a lifetime, I got to go. You know, I feel, I feel like once in a lifetime opportunities are just that. And it's, it's not an opportunity that presents itself magically. I think that that's something that people always misconstrue that, you know, when, when the door is there, you just got to answer it. No, because you got to make your own door. You have to go on YouTube and you have to find the instructions and, and do it yourself. And it's, it's that saying of like luck favoring the bold. I know that, um, you know, is said so often, but it's true. And just, you know, taking whatever opportunities that you make and then making that into something else. So I hope I answered that question. That was not the diplomatic answer. (laughs) You did. You did. You definitely did. I love it. And Dion, Didi, you are um, so good at social media. Where can people connect with you or how best can people connect with you? Oh, thank you. I think you guys are really good at it too, because you're both very super authentic about what you post. Um, my handle is at Dion Lim TV, D-I-O-N-L-I-M-T-V on all platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for finally being in the ladies. Yes. Wait, where can people get the book? Oh my gosh. Thank you for asking. Okay. So shameless plug. You can go to Amazon. Yes. Because yes, you will pay a few dollars less, but I really want to encourage everyone to go to their local independent bookseller because they are struggling so hard right now. Mine in the Bay area is books Inc. And they came with me on book tour everywhere. I went, they didn't get paid extra to do it, but they just did it because that's something that you will not get from a big corporation. So if you go to your local independent bookstore and request it,
it, that would be awesome. Um, but if you go to amazon.com, that would be awesome too, whatever you want to do. Oh, congratulations on all your success. Thank you, Iris, for introducing me to Dion. And I'm just glad we're just this beautiful sisterhood. And we just watch you and we're applauding you from afar. We're so proud of you. The feeling is mutual. And I can't wait for us to actually be in real life together because that would make me so happy. That's one of the things I really want to do. Like, can we promise that when this pandemic is over? Yes, Yes, absolutely. And I'll coordinate and we'll surprise Iris. That's what we'll do. Yes, watch your back, Iris. Watch. Thank you, ladies. Let's keep the conversation going. Connect with us on social media using the handle on air TLR. And of course, if there's a lady you want us to interview, let us know. We'll chat again soon in the The ladies' room. room.